0: Good morning. morning. So today is the third Sunday of Advent, a sort of special Sunday in the season. It's sometimes called Gaudete Sunday because the epistle that we heard this morning begins in Latin with the word Gaudete, rejoice. Other people call it Stirrup Sunday because the colic we prayed today Ask God to stir up his power and come among us. As you can see, we have lit the pink candle, which suggests that this Sunday is also a little bit lighter in the season of Advent than the other Sundays of the season. So I thought maybe it would be good for us to talk about sex. John the Baptist, the James Webb telescope, and our role in the cosmos to lighten things up. Actually, I'm not gonna talk about sex, but I wanted to get your attention. (laughs) (laughs) Let me explain. Uh, I want to talk about sex as a way of talking about how the church has dealt with difficult questions over the course of my lifetime at least. For most of my adult life, the church has been arguing and divided about human sexuality. When I was, uh, in 1967, my dad was a delegate to the Anglican Congress in Toronto. And I remember him coming back from the Congress and telling a story about an African chief who had pled with the delegates of the convention not to forbid polygamy because he said, in his culture, he had three wives. They were the mothers of his children. He loved each of them dearly. And if the church was to force him to choose among them, he would have to consign two of them to a life of poverty and prostitution. Besides, he said, the Muslims proselytize by saying, Christians want you to have one wife and three gods, become a Muslim and you can have it the other way around. They thought that was a bargain. My dad also had a good friend, whom he said was the very best priest he'd ever known. One day he came home from church services and his wife told him that she no longer wanted to be married to a priest and left. The bishop said he could stay in the diocese as long as he didn't remarry. But after about 10 years, he did remarry and he had to leave the diocese. When I was in seminary in the mid 1970s, about 10 years later, women's ordination was the big issue. Again, the church was divided. Some provinces of the church, the United States, Canada, Australia ordained women, but most did not. Since priests can become bishops and bishops ordain priests, the ordination of women raised issues of apostolic succession as well as the validity of the sacraments. So in 1988, about 10 years later, the Lambeth Conference of all Anglican bishops throughout the world created a commission to study the issue. At the next Lambeth Conference in 1998, 10 years later, the commission published its findings and recommended what it called the doctrine of receptivity. It goes like this. From time to time, the Holy Spirit does something new in the life of the church, okay? Not every new thing in the life of the church is the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? So when a new thing emerges, it will emerge in one part of the church or another, and there will be a period of receptivity until the church comes to the mind of Christ, at which time it will either be universally accepted or universally discarded. Then, in 2003, after the consecration of Jean Robinson as Bishop of New Hampshire, the first openly gay bishop, Lambeth Conference again studied human sexuality. This time, they looked at the biblical witness, church teaching, They interviewed current church members. They interviewed psychiatrists, sociologists, and in 2004, they published their results, which affirmed the church's traditional teaching on sexuality, but recognized that there is, quote, discontinuity between the church's teaching and the current practice of many people in the church and called for further study. That's not nothing, nor is prayer doing nothing. Study and prayer can lead either to repentance or to reform. Now to John the Baptist. Each of the four gospels begins by presenting John the Baptist and all essentially agree on his preaching, but each has a distinctive emphasis. Matthew presents John confronting the hypocrisy and presumption of the Pharisees and Sadducees by saying, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. In other words, you ain't gonna learn what you don't wanna know. Or as every parent has told every adolescent, you can't learn anything if you know it all already. Luke places John the Baptist within the broader context of world history and the pretensions of world rulers. He says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis and Licinius, the tetrarch of Abilene in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. In other words, in the place where you least expect it. The gospel of John, which we heard today, does not relate John the Baptist either to the sectarian bickering of the Jews, or even to the pretensions of secular politicians. They, after all, were only sent from Jerusalem or from the Pharisees. John was sent from God as a witness to testify to the light. The light in John's Gospel is the true light that enlightens everyone. In John's gospel, all that matters is the truth. I like to think that those who question John the Baptist in today's lesson are sincere. Like the delegates to the Anglican Congress, the General Conventions the Lambeth Conference and that John gave them truthful testimony, even though he did not and maybe then could not answer all their questions. He is after all, only the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So he can only say that among them stands one whom they do not know Him they must seek. Today, the James Webb Space Telescope has disturbed our picture of the cosmos. It has discovered not just new stars or supermassive black holes, but whole galaxies of stars that by our reckoning of the age of the universe, should not exist. Cosmologists are literally going back to the drawing board to try to understand what this new evidence means. But as one MIT cosmologist said, I'd rather have questions that I can't answer than answers that I can't question. A few weeks ago, Father Edward told us about a debate class he had in high school that challenged him to open his mind to new truths. He urged us to do the same. And Father Nicholas told us that we must come before God with empty hands, open minds, and grateful hearts. And last week, Mother Amy acknowledged that each week we are faced with questions that she said are difficult, if not impossible, to answer. Today's gospel lesson invites us to become seekers of truth, that we might be enlightened by the true light of God's word which we might discover in unexpected places, but who is among us whom we do not know and in our own darkness cannot fully comprehend. And we are invited to bear witness to the light that we do know in Christ. And as we have been accepted as living members of the body of Christ, we too are to be sent by God into the world in peace to love and serve the Lord with gladness and singleness of heart. And so we must pray for strength and for courage, for at times we too will feel like the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And so we also prayed today for God to stir up his power and with great might come among us that he might speedily help and deliver us. For today, at the end of the year 2023, It will not be easy to seek or to proclaim the truth. It never is.